Chapter Five of Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five. Of course, I've been meaning lately to go to Razumihin's to ask for work, to ask him to get me lessons or something. Raskolnikov thought, "Well, what help can he be to me now?" suppose he gets me lessons suppose he shares his last farthing with me if he has any farthings so that i could get some boots and make myself tidy enough to give lessons hm well and what then what shall i do with the few coppers i earn that's not what i want now it's really absurd for me to go to razumihin the question why he was now going to razumihin agitated him even more than he was himself aware he kept uneasily seeking for some sinister significance in this apparently ordinary action could i have expected to set it all straight and to find a way out by means of razumihin alone he asked himself in perplexity he pondered and rubbed his forehead and strange to say after long musing suddenly as it were spontaneously and by chance a fantastic thought came into his head hm to razumihin's he said all at once calmly as though he had reached a final determination i shall go to razumihin's of course but not now i shall go to him on the next day after it when it will be over and everything will begin afresh and suddenly he realized what he was thinking after it he shouted jumping up from the seat but is it really going to happen is it possible it really will happen he left the seat and went off almost at a run he meant to turn back homewards but the thought of going home suddenly filled him with intense loathing in that hole in that awful little cupboard of his all this had for a month past been growing up in him and he walked on at random his nervous shudder had passed into a fever that made him feel shivering in spite of the heat he felt cold with a kind of effort he began almost unconsciously from some inner craving to stare at all the objects before him as though looking for something to distract his attention but he did not succeed and kept dropping every moment into brooding when with a start he lifted his head again and looked round he forgot at once what he had just been thinking about and even where he was going in this way he walked right across vasilievsky ostrov came out onto the lesser neva crossed the bridge and turned towards the islands the greenness and freshness were at first restful to his weary eyes after the dust of the town and the huge houses that hemmed him in and weighed upon him here there were no taverns no stifling closeness no stench but soon these new pleasant sensations passed into morbid irritability sometimes he stood still before a brightly painted summer villa standing among green foliage he gazed through the fence he saw in the distance smartly dressed women on the verandas and balconies and children running in the gardens the flowers especially caught his attention he gazed at them longer than at anything he was met too by luxurious carriages and by men and women on horseback he watched them with curious eyes and forgot about them before they had vanished from his sight once he stood still and counted his money he found he had thirty kopecks twenty to the policeman three to nastasya for the letter so i must have given forty-seven or fifty to the marmeladovs yesterday he thought reckoning it up for some unknown reason but he soon forgot with what object he had taken the money out of his pocket he recalled it on passing an eating-house or tavern and felt that he was hungry going into the tavern he drank a glass of vodka and ate a pie of some sort 
he finished eating it as he walked away it was a long while since he had taken vodka and it had an effect upon him at once though he only drank a wine-glassful his legs felt suddenly heavy and a great drowsiness came upon him he turned homewards but reaching petrovsky ostrov he stopped completely exhausted turned off the road into the bushes sank down upon the grass and instantly fell asleep in a morbid condition of the brain dreams often have a singular actuality vividness and extraordinary semblance of reality at times monstrous images are created but the setting and the whole picture are so truth-like and filled with details so delicate so unexpected but so artistically consistent that the dreamer were he an artist like pushkin or turgenev even could never have invented them in the waking state such sick dreams always remain long in the memory and make a powerful impression on the overwrought and deranged nervous system raskolnikov had a fearful dream he dreamt he was back in his childhood in the little town of his birth he was a child about seven years old walking into the country with his father on the evening of a holiday it was a grey and heavy day the country was exactly as he remembered it indeed he recalled it far more vividly in his dream than he had done in memory the little town stood on a level flat as bare as the land not even a willow near it only in the far distance a copse lay a dark blur on the very edge of the horizon a few paces beyond the last market garden stood a tavern a big tavern which had always aroused in him a feeling of aversion even of fear when he walked by it with his father there was always a crowd there always shouting laughter and abuse hideous hoarse singing and often fighting drunken and horrible-looking figures were hanging about the tavern he used to cling close to his father trembling all over when he met them near the tavern the road became a dusty track the dust of which was always black it was a winding road and about a hundred paces further on it turned to the right to the graveyard in the middle of the graveyard stood a stone church with a green cupola where he used to go to mass two or three times a year with his father and mother when a service was held in memory of his grandmother who had long been dead and whom he had never seen on these occasions they used to take on a white dish tied up in a table napkin a special sort of rice pudding with raisins stuck in it in the shape of a cross he loved that church the old-fashioned unadorned icons and the old priest with the shaking head near his grandmother's grave which was marked by a stone was the little grave of his younger brother who had died at six months old he did not remember him at all but he had been told about his little brother and whenever he visited the graveyard he used religiously and reverently to cross himself and to bow down and kiss the little grave and now he dreamt that he was walking with his father past the tavern on the way to the graveyard he was holding his father's hand and looking with dread at the tavern a peculiar circumstance attracted his attention there seemed to be some kind of festivity going on there were crowds of gaily dressed townspeople peasant women their husbands and riff-raff of all sorts all singing and all more or less drunk near the entrance of the tavern stood a cart but a strange cart it was one of those big carts usually drawn by heavy cart horses and laden with casks of wine or other heavy goods he always liked looking at those great cart horses with their long manes thick legs and slow even pace drawing along a perfect mountain with no appearance of effort as though it were easier going with a load than without it 
but now strange to say in the shafts of such a cart he saw a thin little sorrel beast one of those peasant's nags which he had often seen straining their utmost under a heavy load of wood or hay especially when the wheels were stuck in the mud or in a rut and the peasants would beat them so cruelly sometimes even about the nose and eyes and he felt so sorry so sorry for them that he almost cried and his mother always used to take him away from the window all of a sudden there was a great uproar of shouting singing and the balalaika and from the tavern a number of big and very drunken peasants came out wearing red and blue shirts and coats thrown over their shoulders get in get in shouted one of them a young thick-necked peasant with a fleshy face red as a carrot i'll take you all get in but at once there was an outbreak of laughter and exclamations in the crowd take us all with a beast like that why mikolka are you crazy to put a nag like that in such a cart and this mare is twenty if she is a day mates get in i'll take you all mikolka shouted again leaping first into the cart seizing the reins and standing straight up in front the may has gone with matvey he shouted from the cart and this brute mates is just breaking my heart i feel as if i could kill her she's just eating her head off get in i tell you i'll make her gallop she'll gallop and he picked up the whip preparing himself with relish to flog the little mare get in come along the crowd laughed do you hear she'll gallop gallop indeed she has not had a gallop in her for the last ten years she'll jog along don't you mind her mates bring a whip each of you get ready all right give it to her they all clambered into mikolka's cart laughing and making jokes six men got in and there was still room for more they hauled in a fat rosy-cheeked woman she was dressed in red cotton in a pointed beaded headdress and thick leather shoes she was cracking nuts and laughing the crowd round them was laughing too and indeed how could they help laughing that wretched nag was to drag all the cartload of them at a gallop two young fellows in the cart were just getting whips ready to help mikolka with a cry of now the mare tugged with all her might but far from galloping could scarcely move forward she struggled with all her legs gasping and shrinking from the blows of the three whips which were showered upon her like hail the laughter in the cart and in the crowd was redoubled but mikolka flew into a rage and furiously thrashed the mare as though he supposed she really could gallop let me get in too mates shouted a young man in the crowd whose appetite was aroused get in all get in cried mikolka she will draw you all i'll beat her to death and he thrashed and thrashed at the mare beside himself with fury father father he cried father what are they doing father they are beating the poor horse come along come along said his father they are drunken and foolish they are in fun come away don't look and he tried to draw him away but he tore himself away from his hand and beside himself with horror ran to the horse the poor beast was in a bad way she was gasping standing still then tugging again and almost falling beat her to death cried mikolka it's come to that i'll do for her what are you about are you a christian you devil shouted an old man in the crowd did anyone ever see the like a wretched nag like that pulling such a cartload said another you'll kill her shouted the third don't meddle it's my property i'll do what i choose get in more of you get in all of you i will have her go at a gallop all at once laughter broke into a roar and covered everything the mare roused by the shower of blows began feebly kicking even the old man could not help smiling to think of a wretched little beast like that trying to kick 
two lads in the crowd snatched up whips and ran to the mare to beat her about the ribs one ran each side hit her in the face in the eyes in the eyes cried mikolka give us a song mate shouted someone in the cart and everyone in the cart joined in a riotous song jingling a tambourine and whistling the woman went on cracking nuts and laughing he ran beside the mare ran in front of her saw her being whipped across the eyes right in the eyes he was crying he felt choking his tears were streaming one of the men gave him a cut with a whip across the face he did not feel it wringing his hands and screaming he rushed up to the grey-headed old man with the grey beard who was shaking his head in disapproval one woman seized him by the hand and would have taken him away but he tore himself from her and ran back to the mare she was almost at the last gasp but began kicking once more i'll teach you to kick mikolka shouted ferociously he threw down the whip bent forward and picked up from the bottom of the cart a long thick shaft he took hold of one end with both hands and with an effort brandished it over the mare he'll crush her was shouted round him he'll kill her it's my property shouted mikolka and brought the shaft down with a swinging blow there was a sound of a heavy thud thrasher thrasher why have you stopped shouted voices in the crowd and mikolka swung the shaft a second time and it fell a second time on the spine of the luckless mare she sank back on her haunches but lurched forward and tugged forward with all her force tugged first on one side and then on the other trying to move the cart but the six whips were attacking her in all directions and the shaft was raised again and fell upon her a third time then a fourth with heavy measured blows mikolka was in a fury that he could not kill her at one blow she's a tough one was shouted in the crowd she'll fall in a minute mates there will be an end of her said an admiring spectator in the crowd fetch an axe to her finish her off shouted a third i'll show you stand off mikolka screamed frantically he threw down the shaft stooped down in the cart and picked up an iron crowbar look out he shouted and with all his might he dealt a stunning blow at the poor mare the blow fell the mare staggered sank back tried to pull but the bar fell again with a swinging blow on her back and she fell on the ground like a log finish her off shouted mikolka and he leapt beside himself out of the cart several young men also flushed with drink seized anything they could come across whips sticks poles and ran to the dying mare mikolka stood on one side and began dealing random blows with the crowbar the mare stretched out her head drew a long breath and died you butchered her someone shouted in the crowd why wouldn't she gallop then my property shouted mikolka with bloodshot eyes brandishing the bar in his hands he stood as though regretting that he had nothing more to beat no mistake about it you were not a christian many voices were shouting in the crowd but the poor boy beside himself made his way screaming through the crowd to the sorrel nag put his arms round her bleeding dead head and kissed it kissed the eyes and kissed the lips then he jumped up and flew in a frenzy with his little fists out at mikolka at that instant his father who had been running after him snatched him up and carried him out of the crowd come along come let us go home he said to him father why did they kill the poor horse he sobbed but his voice broke and the words came in shrieks from his panting chest they are drunk they are brutal it's not our business said his father he put his arms round his father but he felt choked choked he tried to draw a breath to cry out and woke up 
he waked up gasping for breath his hair soaked with perspiration and stood up in terror thank god that was only a dream he said sitting down under a tree and drawing deep breaths but what is it is it some fever coming on such a hideous dream he felt utterly broken darkness and confusion were in his soul he rested his elbows on his knees and leaned his head on his hands good god he cried can it be can it be that i shall really take an axe that i shall strike her on the head split her skull open that i shall tread in the sticky warm blood break the lock steal and tremble hide all spattered in the blood with the axe good god can it be he was shaking like a leaf as he said this but why am i going on like this he continued sitting up again as it were in profound amazement i knew that i could never bring myself to it so what have i been torturing myself for till now yesterday yesterday when i went to make that experiment yesterday i realized completely that i could never bear to do it why am i going over it again then why am i still hesitating as i came down the stairs yesterday i said myself that it was base loathsome vile vile the very thought of it made me feel sick and filled me with horror no i couldn't do it i couldn't do it granted granted that there is no flaw in all that reasoning that all that i have concluded this last month is clear as day true as arithmetic my god anyway i couldn't bring myself to it i couldn't do it i couldn't do it why why then am i still he rose to his feet looked round in wonder as though surprised at finding himself in this place and went towards the bridge he was pale his eyes glowed he was exhausted in every limb but he seemed suddenly to breathe more easily he felt he had cast off that fearful burden that had so long been weighing upon him and all at once there was a sense of relief and peace in his soul lord he prayed show me my path i renounce that accursed dream of mine crossing the bridge he gazed quietly and calmly at the neva at the glowing red sun setting in the glowing sky in spite of his weakness he was not conscious of fatigue it was as though an abscess that had been forming for a month past in his heart had suddenly broken freedom freedom he was free from that spell that sorcery that obsession later on when he recalled that time and all that happened to him during those days minute by minute point by point he was superstitiously impressed by one circumstance which though in itself not very exceptional always seemed to him afterwards the predestined turning-point of his fate he could never understand and explain to himself why when he was tired and worn out when it would have been more convenient for him to go home by the shortest and most direct way he had returned by the haymarket where he had no need to go it was obviously and quite unnecessarily out of his way though not much so it is true that it happened to him dozens of times to return home without noticing what streets he passed through but why he was always asking himself why had such an important such a decisive and at the same time such an absolutely chance meeting happened in the haymarket where he had moreover no reason to go at the very hour the very minute of his life when he was just in the very mood and in the very circumstances in which that meeting was able to exert the gravest and most decisive influence on his whole destiny as though it had been lying in wait for him on purpose it was about nine o'clock when he crossed the haymarket at the tables in the barrows at the booths in the shops all the market people were closing their establishments or clearing away and packing up their wares 
and like their customers were going home rag-pickers and costermongers of all kinds were crowding round the taverns in the dirty and stinking courtyards of the haymarket raskolnikov particularly liked this place and the neighbouring alleys when he wandered aimlessly in the streets here his rags did not attract contemptuous attention and one could walk about in any attire without scandalising people at the corner of an alley a huckster and his wife had two tables set out with tapes thread cotton handkerchiefs etc they too had got up to go home but were lingering in conversation with a friend who had just come up to them this friend was lizaveta ivanovna or as everyone called her lizaveta the younger sister of the old pawnbroker alyona ivanovna whom raskolnikov had visited the previous day to pawn his watch and make his experiment he already knew all about lizaveta and she knew him a little too she was a single woman of about thirty-five tall clumsy timid submissive and almost idiotic she was a complete slave and went in fear and trembling of her sister who made her work day and night and even beat her she was standing with a bundle before the huckster and his wife listening earnestly and doubtfully they were talking of something with special warmth the moment raskolnikov caught sight of her he was overcome by a strange sensation as it were of intense astonishment though there was nothing astonishing about this meeting you can make up your mind for yourself lizaveta ivanovna the huckster was saying aloud come round to-morrow about seven they will be here too to-morrow said lizaveta slowly and thoughtfully as though unable to make up her mind upon my word what a fright you are in of alyona ivanovna gabbled the huckster's wife a lively woman i look at you you are like some little babe and she is not your own sister either nothing but a stepsister and what a hand she keeps over you but this time don't say a word to alyona ivanovna her husband interrupted that's my advice but come round to us without asking it will be worth your while later on your sister herself may have a notion am i to come about seven o'clock to-morrow and they will be here you will be able to decide for yourself and we'll have a cup of tea added his wife all right i'll come said lizaveta still pondering and she began slowly moving away raskolnikov had just passed and heard no more he passed softly unnoticed trying not to miss a word his first amazement was followed by a thrill of horror like a shiver running down his spine he had learnt he had suddenly quite unexpectedly learnt that the next day at seven o'clock lizaveta the old woman's sister and only companion would be away from home and that therefore at seven o'clock precisely the old woman would be left alone he was only a few steps from his lodging he went in like a man condemned to death he thought of nothing and was incapable of thinking but he felt suddenly in his whole being that he had no more freedom of thought no will and that everything was suddenly and irrevocably decided certainly if he had to wait whole years for a suitable opportunity he could not reckon on a more certain step towards the success of the plan than that which had just presented itself in any case it would have been difficult to find out beforehand and with certainty with greater exactness and less risk and without dangerous inquiries and investigations that next day at a certain time an old woman on whose life an attempt was contemplated would be at home and entirely alone End of chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine